Wednesday is here and here I am, Rachel Smith again too, wishing you a happy Wednesday. Thanks to all the listeners who tuned in last week, especially Suhas Bat and the listeners in Hong Kong, our home turf, but also those listeners in the USA, Canada, France, United Kingdom, Italy, Australia, Germany, Singapore and Malaysia. Our storytellers are an international bunch and we're glad we can reach out to people from all over the world. Our January 31st storytellers are busy perfecting and practicing their stories on the theme of Abandoned. You can get tickets to the show by following the link in our website, hongkongstories.com. If you're in Hong Kong, you're always welcome to join our free storytelling workshops. We hold one per week, and everyone is welcome. You can find details on the website at hongkongstories.com. And if you love this story and want to hear more... Well, all of our past episodes are on SoundCloud, iTunes, and Google Play. You can find more information, you guessed it, at hongkongstories.com. Hong Kong Stories. It's better than drama. It's better than comedy. It's real life. This week, we have a story that was originally told at the Hong Kong International Literary Festival in 2017. Sheridan tells us about what happened when she was doing research on her book, The Asian Mystique. I'm on a beach in Thailand. It's called Pattaya, and it's the dirtiest beach I have ever seen. (laughs) The sand is brown and gritty, and when it gets on your skin, you have trouble washing it off. There's syringes, plastic, condom wrappers. Even the condoms themselves wash up like noxious jellyfish in the surf. And the men, mostly Europeans, some Russians, in tiny little speedos, bellies hanging out over the front, tossing up young Thai women in the waves like they're dolls as they're shrieking and splashing. I'm here because I'm doing research for my book called The Asian Mystique. And another writer, Michelle Welbeck, has called this place a cesspit a sewer where the sundry waste of human neurosis washes up. (laughs) American troops on R&R from the Vietnam War used to come here, and still there are about 4,000 prostitutes per square mile. Maybe the biggest and most notorious concentration catering to Westerners in the entire world. As I'm looking around me, I'm trying to keep a separation between myself, the observer, and what I'm observing. I have my notebook, no emotions, I tell myself, just facts and observations, like a doctor examining a naked body. But it's not easy to maintain this line. On the way back to my hotel, it's twilight. Darkness is setting in. There's a balding man, hand in hand with a very young Asian girl so tiny she could be a child. Maybe she is. Pushing away any judgments, I'm thinking about it from her perspective based on interviews I've done with dozens of sex workers. Here's a man with money. With luck, he's a decent guy. He might marry her and take care of her family. Or from his, Maybe he's a factory worker, laid off from his job in Europe somewhere. Maybe his wife has left him, 
And just merely being attractive to this beautiful Asian girl is like a balm that he needs to heal him. That night, I'm in a girly bar. It's dark. It smells like old beer. The bartender is a friendly woman, and I sit next to her chatting as she pours me drinks. It's the kind of place where there's a stage in the back, and women with barely any clothes on get up and dance. There's a menu where you can order a show. There's the ping-pong pussy show, where women shoot ping-pong balls out of their vaginas. And the balloon dart show, where women shoot darts at balloons and pop them, also from their vaginas. I'm still not sure how they do that. (laughs) But I've seen these kind of shows before in Bangkok, and so tonight, I'm watching the men. An ordinary-looking one comes up to the bar. He's an oil worker from England, he tells me. And I ask him, why do you come to a place like this? And he raises his beer glass over his head like he's scoring a soccer victory, and he says, because here you can be king. And as he goes and dances off into the crowded dance floor, He's immediately surrounded by throngs of beautiful women who wouldn't look at him twice, probably, in a bar back home, all of them vying to be the one for a night, for a few days, or for a lifetime. Another man comes up to the bar, a German, a regular, the bartender tells me. He buys a bucket of ping pong balls. And this is for a game where you throw the ping pong balls and send the bar girls scurrying to chase after it. Each ball gets 50 baht from the bar. And 50 baht buys dinner in Thailand. But he soon grows tired of this game and he throws the entire bucket of balls onto the floor, sending the girls scrambling all over each other, crawling in this excited, desperate, and degrading frenzy. And he laughs. And just then, a song comes on in the bar. I knew the song from the movie The Matrix. It's a German song, and it goes, Du, du hast, du hast mich. And this German, he's suddenly very happy. He's taking this as a reward for his patronage. But the translation of the song doesn't seem to be that. It goes, you. You hate. You hate me. As I'm watching all that's going on around me, I'm not paying any attention to my drink, and my new friend, the bartender, has been filling it every time I looked away, so that as I drank and drank, it was perpetually full. And I realize I'm getting drunk. But I have more research to do and more bars to go to, so I pay my bill and say my goodbyes. Outside, it's even darker than before, and I'm dizzy from the drink. I don't get very far. There's a thriving open-air bar scene across the street, also with some Germans, also playing Du hast mich. They don't seem to realize it's a protest. But one of these Germans isn't like the others. He's handsome, blonde, athletic. 
And he doesn't seem very interested in the bar girls. Instead, he's more interested in me. And I have to wonder if he's been in Pateo for so long, if like a flavor of ice cream, he's grown tired of coffee or mint chocolate chip and wants to try a strawberry for the evening. I hadn't been the focus of the male gaze in a very long time. None of the men I'd met in bars while doing this research were interested in someone like me. And the bar girls who were, sometimes they mistook me for a lesbian and thought I would be a nice respite from a big, hairy, sweaty guy. <laughs> a way to make some money for the evening without as much physical exertion. <laughs> I never did take them up on that. But because I had been so invisible, I'm perhaps more open to this German's attention than I would be otherwise. It feels like an affirmation that I'm, I'm not invisible, not undesirable. So now I'm leaning against this German. I'm not sure if it's for support or if it is what kind. He's a medical worker from a hospital back in Germany. I'm trying to only just sip the drink he's bought me because I realize I'm very, very drunk. And I'm probably too drunk to make any good decisions in this moment. And I become very afraid because that invisible line, the one between being an observer and being a participant, the one that I'd always maintained as a journalist, as a writer, as an anthropologist, was fading away. This place, this place of darkness and despair, disease and danger, was winning. The dark side was pulling me in. I'd known other friends and colleagues who'd crossed it, some of them slowly over time, others in a moment like this where one bad decision changed everything. Some of them never came back, lost to addiction or insanity or suicide. Self-control can be a matter of life and death. I have to get away from here, away from this place of dashed dreams and, and, and this line between responsibility and abandon. But as I try to tell this to the German, I'm, I'm slurring my words and my thoughts are of fog moving away from me to a place where I can no longer keep hold of them. And so I climb onto the back of his motorcycle and let him drive me away into the darkness. Thanks for listening to this story brought to you by Hong Kong Stories. If you want to know more about learning to tell great stories, visit us at hongkongstories.com. If you enjoyed this podcast, don't forget to share it with your friends and keep an eye out for new stories from our talented storytellers published every Wednesday. Everyone has a story to tell. <laughs>